Hello and welcome to the Open Revolution podcast. This is episode 11 uh, and we continue to follow James in his bid for the Horsham seat as Member of Parliament for the upcoming election, elections. Uh, now, days away, well, weeks technically, <laughs> but it feels like James. How are you, James? Are it's, you okay? it's not many days. Uh, yeah, yes. I'm okay, just about. It's not many days at all. So you're getting quite busy. It's getting quite difficult to get hold of you now. Yeah, time's, uh, time's filling up. Yes. Um, and I note that you recently did that hustings. Is, um, I have to say, hustings is a new word to me, uh, which probably tells you all you need to know about my, infam- <laughs> my, my level of uh, education. But uh, what, uh, what's involved in the hustings? Yeah, I, I only remember them from university. You know, it's not, uh, it's not something you come across very often. Um, but essentially, it's a thing like question time. Mm-hmm. On the uh, on the TV, so we had uh, it was last Saturday uh, in Horsham. It was in a big hall, and we had seven candidates up at the front um, mm-hmm. taking questions from the floor and uh, giving their answers. And it was uh, it was really really good fun, <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly good fun. Yeah, well, I read your uh, your blog post about it. It did seem it, it was quite interesting to see it from that perspective of someone who's up there. But you know you're you're you know as with everything you're quite open about everything in your experience. Uh, I was thought it was fascinating, but um, you're very cagey about sort of uh, leveling criticism about your fellow participants. Um, there was certainly you're hinting that you were less than impressed by the performance of others. Are you willing to go out on a limb now? Or are you still going to let? I, I'm going to remain you, you slightly were... reticent. I think you know I'm, I'm going to take the high road. Um, there you go. Yeah, I mean I did expect better from some. Certainly, mm-hmm. um, some were exactly what I expected, but some I thought would be uh, more eloquent, perhaps more, mm-hmm. you know, more able to put their point across. Mm-hmm. Um, as it was, we came across as not. Well, I came across as one of the uh, the more capable, I suppose, uh, members of the panel, which is quite disturbing because I have absolutely no idea what <laughs> I'm doing, as previously recorded. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it was. It was interesting. What I what I'm waiting for is to get the full video up online. So the event was recorded. Um, okay. They've told me they'll be putting the video online, um, yeah. and once that's up and I, and we've got a transcript of it, then at that point I will start uh, pulling candidates up on particular statements that they made. And there are a couple that are definitely on my list I see. Um, okay. as things that I want to point out as being arrant bullshit. Uh, but until <laughs> until it's written down, until there's evidence, I'm not I'm not going to do that. So, <laughs> um, uh, who was recording them? Is this you, or is this just an independent uh, party recording? Or? So it was it was an event run by the CPRE, the Campaign for the Protection of Rural England, and so they okay. were they were recording it, filming it, uh, okay. chairing it, whole thing. And currently, they're now doctoring it. To make... <laughs> well, it's it was surprising actually. My my opinion of them has changed somewhat. Um, uh, in general, the uh, the arguments that I was making went over uh, to the audience a lot better than I was expecting. Actually, uh-huh. um, you know, I went in with a I was making you know arguments about climate change, about the environment, about you know collaborative uh, planning and working together so that communities can lead their own uh, ways in which they develop, um, and that all went over really well. Um, so it wasn't a you know, it, there was one point where the question was to each of the candidates, you know, are you going to, would you support, which would you rather have, fracking or wind farms? And uh, 
you know that that was you can't yeah, you kind of was... expect the answer to be no none of those but yes. but you know it was uh, yeah it was good okay and uh, I see you've done a crowdfunding uh, thing is that for to pay for your electioneering expenses or is this to to bribe the right officials to get the vote counter <laughs> I don't think I can raise that much um, yeah we're one of the really important things that we wanted to do was to crowdfund the costs of running, uh, of which there are some. Uh, not as many as you'd think, but uh, but there are some. Um, in a way to prove that, again, prove that anyone can do it, to prove that it's accessible. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, we've launched our crowdfunding campaign, uh, when was it, a week and a half ago now? Something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're looking to raise around £3,000. Um, the first 500 of that, which we've already hit, is the deposit. Okay. Which I will be putting down uh, tomorrow, I think, when I go and uh, actually register uh, to be okay. a candidate, which is quite scary. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, the the sort of fifteen hundred for uh, the the leafleting that I need to do, and then a bit more to raise for for other costs. But uh, that that's kind of the aim. So right. it's going all right. We're at about eight hundred at the moment, and uh, right. it's uh, it's coming on. Uh, so we know we've got we've definitely got enough to. Uh, to, to pay the deposit, to stand, and then everything else is just help to get the word out more and more. Um, before we move on to, to today's topic, um, let's talk a little bit of politics. Um, uh, David Cameron came out and said he's not going to seek a third term, um, and that sort of caused a little bit of uh, twittering away in the in the sort of uh, intelligence here about uh, whether or not he should have done that if he becomes a lame duck prime minister if he's voted in again. I th- I think it's you know, it's quite a, a good idea to to say that. Obviously, if he turns around and <laughs> then does go for a third term, then he's he's not going to look terribly good. But if he sticks to his word, if indeed he does win a second term, um, what, what do you make of that? I think you know, having having limits to uh, to serving to terms for serving MPs is a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the uh, what the point of doing that was. Maybe it was to. Uh, to give people the uh, the idea of actually getting a bit excited about who might be next, there's a lot of support for Boris, for instance. So maybe sure. that's uh, you know maybe they feel that that's that's the thing. But I suspect there's some internal politics there within the Conservative Party. I know that uh, a lot of the uh, Conservative Party is quite uh, really doesn't like David Cameron because he didn't win the last election, um, even though he's Prime Minister, he didn't mm. win. And yeah. if he doesn't win this one. Who knows what will happen? So I think mm-hmm. I suspect that was more based on internal politics than necessarily being something for the rest of us. But okay. uh, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's a load of stuff flying around about people making promises about things and Labour being called upon to to to, to say they won't go into coalition with the SNP. And it's just like, well, why why are we why are we even having these conversations? Let's get the result, and then we'll see how we form yeah. a stable government after that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, I mean, they'd be stupid to rule out. The, the other sort of, I don't know. It's it, it's all getting ahead of itself. It's it's like they've run out of anything else to talk about in the campaign. So now they're just talking about anything politics. Talk about yes, I suppose anything to, except talk about policy. Yeah, it? exactly. <laughs> I mean, Cameron was on on television today saying, you know, the nation faces a stark choice between him and Ed Miliband, and you know, it's not it's not that stark. To yeah. be honest, I've seen yeah. starker. So. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, today's topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, the next item on the manifesto, which can be found at openpolitics.org.uk, is health. Um, 
I think uh, from my reading of it, it seems a relatively balanced uh, approach to uh, keeping the NHS, something of which I, I don't know if uh, the British are disproportionately proud of, but they certainly are proud of it in the same way that you know other countries are, are proud of their armed forces in a way, or you know, or their sporting achievements. You know, it's a real, hmm. it's something that the, the British are, I think, it mostly is. justified in. in in uh, being proud yeah, of it. Yeah, it is. I think it's an, the NHS is, is an incredible national achievement and we should be proud of it. Mm. Um, you know, the uh, a, a lot of people sort of, you know, still refer back to the uh, the opening ceremony at the Olympics in, in 2012 and, yeah. you know, focusing on the NHS and that was amazing. And, yeah. and I think, right, it is one of the things of which we should be most proud. What do you think are the problems of facing the NHS then? Because, uh, um, you know, the there's been some headlines recently about uh, the NHS sort of falling short of various metrics on various metrics. Uh, at the same time, also apparently doing well on others. Um, you know, the, the the Tories have promised uh, an injection of funding, which is no surprise considering there's an election in the offing. But um, is it just um, a lack of cash, or does it, do there need to be sort of major reform? So I think, well, it's in in a way the. Um one of, the, one of the biggest problems for the NHS is the fact that we talk an enormous amount about what's wrong with the NHS, and we don't talk very often about what's right with it. It's one of the most effective health services in the world, um, but you wouldn't know that from reading the papers or listening to you know the uh, continual calls for a crisis in the NHS and all that sort of thing. They're, in a way, they feel like uh, uh, self-fulfilling prophecies. You know, If you talk something down enough, then people will believe it has to be... Uh, has to be changed fundamentally. Um, it is a huge organisation. It's a massive cost, um, but that's you know the basic sort of right to medical care and health. That's a that's a good thing, and, that, and that's right. It's an extremely large organisation. Any large organisation is going to have inefficiencies and bureaucracy. Um, but I think you know, in terms of the healthcare that it delivers for the price, it's one of the most effective in the world. Um, the idea I, uh, I read about, uh, going back a while uh, now, is to, because it's often used as a political football, uh, my mother um, worked in the NHS for going on 20 years and, you know, she had to reapply for her own job on more than one occasion, which just seems like a fantastic waste of time and energy considering there are, you know, there's the actual job of work to be done. Um, one idea I read about was making a making it into a sort of a trust like the BBC, so it's sort of independent from political interference, uh, but then is is um, is held accountable uh, in in the public sphere. What do you think of that? Um, I think that's absolutely right. Um, in fact, that's our core uh, manifesto policy on the NHS is to take it out of the direct control of the government because it is continually it, it's it's like you know there's a few areas where politicians just like to dig in and like to meddle uh, health education uh, things like that are you know prime targets because you know by the time anything by the time your reforms have had any effect you're out of office and and you know <laughs> who's to say whether it worked or not but so, then don't you need to but then don't the politicians need to be held accountable? For stuff that happens, I mean, if if you put every, you know, surely the same argument would be made as you say for education, and then what does the government then do? It, it rubber stamps funding, which presumably the requirements for funding only ever, only ever go up over time. 
um, you know, what, what, what's government for if not to, to sort of meddle, <laughs> for want of a better word, directly in, in these huge, you know, as you say, it's a huge public institution. Surely there needs to be some level of uh, political control. There certainly needs to be a level of democratic control. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'd, I'd quite like to see it become a sort of a, uh, a separate organisation um, from just separated to an extent from the uh, from the government so that obviously it's still publicly funded. It still, you know, receives its money through uh, through those sources, but isn't susceptible to the, the kind of fiddling around that we see. So, you know, can it be the, the BBC Trust model is a bit like this. So it has its own. Uh, it's a charter. It has its own board of uh, and you know a, a plan, and, and it can be only sort of interfered with on a on a less regular basis. So um, I'd like to see something a bit more like that for the NHS, and you know I, it, it needs to be kept in public hands. It needs to remain one hundred percent free, not just as you often hear free at the point of delivery, but mm. it needs to remain free. Uh, That's an interesting that funded. you pick up on that. Interesting you pick on that, because one of the things that occurred to me, and again, it's been a headline recently, there's um, there's a lot of time wasted at the point of delivery. Or, uh, you know, it's people going there and saying, you know, my dog has a headache, rather than it's, you know, it's, it's free, so obviously people don't value it. Um, on the continent, certainly, I've lived in, in, in Belgium, and I think even when I was living in Japan, which is going back a long way now, um, you, you paid to go to see the doctor. It was a nominal fee... It was ten pounds, and I'm sure you know you can do some sort of means testing, or if you're a pensioner or a child, you don't have to pay that fee. But would that not go some way to uh, lessening the, the the time that gets wasted for stuff that just doesn't fall under the purview of of the health service? It done, you know. However nominal, there is a, then a, a revenue stream as well if it's five ten pounds to go visit the doctor. Um, I, I think most people wouldn't begrudge. Uh, paying it in that way, um, if it meant that that actually they probably in the end of the day they got to see the doctor quicker or um, they got more time with their doctor. It's an interesting idea, and um, I'd be interested to see how it uh, how that works actually. Yeah, as a as a way of just reducing um, the uh, the sort of time wasting visits. Uh, I know that we put a lot of effort into making sure people go to the right place to deal with the right things, and there's a lot of information out there and. Uh, Things like uh, the new one 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 number will direct you to the right uh, place to deal with your your inquiry. Um, but yeah, I think the you know the, the important thing is that it's that it remains completely accessible to anybody. So it doesn't matter how much money you have um, to uh, you, you know the, the the cash you have doesn't affect how good the medical care is that you get. Um, so you know if there's a if there's perhaps some way of encouraging people to uh, to use it efficiently, that's a perhaps a slightly different issue than uh, let's make it into a insurance backed. Uh, you know, you you pay for the uh, you pay for the uh, care that you receive or the the insurance level that you get or whatever that, that we yeah. have in the US, which is one of the worst systems uh, as far as patient yes. outcomes. Yes, and uh, and um, cost per yeah patient absolutely as well. yeah. yeah. Um, as ever, we only ever get a chance to skim through the sort of the top of the waves for each uh, each item in the manifesto. The last thing I'm going to ask about is one of them uh, is a, a, a sort of a minimum cost per unit of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the uh, uh, alcohol-related 
illnesses and injuries take up a perhaps in some people's minds a disproportionate amount of NHS resources and so I'm guessing the notion would be that alcohol is then costed appropriately and that money then gets reinvested back into uh, into the National Health Service that means there's more funds to deal with the effects of alcohol and also presumably less alcohol <laughs> is being consumed by those who might uh, yeah, I that's, mean that's me as, it's, uh... that strikes me as a um, you know on the face of it relatively sensible. But then I got to thinking, sugar. You know, uh, sugar is also a a killer. And actually, probably at the end of the day, you know, there is a constituency for every consumable or or lifestyle choice that you make. Um, that then you know, at, which is generally taxable anyway. In, you know, in VAT or, or whatever it is, it is duty that then does get back into the national coffers, why does a direct link uh, between alcohol consumption and the NHS have to exist where you could argue the same is true for complex carbohydrates or, you know, full fat milk or, you know, uh, any other, uh, another number of consumables? Um, it's a really good point. I mean, the, you know, the idea of this is to um, both discourage the, the sale of excessively cheap alcohol, really. I mean, this wouldn't affect uh, most alcohol sold at a normal price at the moment, certainly. it's The idea is to take out the very uh, the very cheap stuff, um, which is normally the stuff associated with, with problem drinking, for instance. And it's to deal with the, the externality costs of that, the cost to society. Now, yeah, I mean, certainly... You know, under things like uh, our drugs policies and so on, where we would legalise uh, various uh, various drugs, you'd be looking at the same kind of thing. So you want to make sure that uh, that the costs of that are borne by uh, by the people doing it. It's sugar's a really interesting one because we do have a you know it's it's been it is excessive in our food, but. It's Absolutely. if the evidence was there that there would be there would be a positive effect from a minimum unit price for sugar uh-huh. in food, then uh-huh. no, there there fundamentally isn't any difference. Um, and I don't think it's a matter of a, you know, this this always gets the the idea of a nanny state kind of trying to tell you what to do. Um, but I don't think it is that. I think it's about you know working out how to manage the the costs to society of uh, of those things. But then presumably you can, you know, with computer power being what it is, doubling every five years or whatever, you could probably do that for everything, you know, lettuce, you know, um, pillows, everything, and then attach a coefficient to it and, you know, every, everything then gets marshaled to some vast eternal plan, is it? But then that would necessitate a huge infrastructure to oversee. Wouldn't it, isn't mm, it just cheaper yeah. to sort of have a blanket approach, or just simpler if not cheaper? Yeah, I mean it, it's yeah, that's the kind of thing where you, you're going to yeah go into some kind of massive uh, massive system, looking at the, uh, the the costs of all foods and deciding what people mm. can have. It's probably not something you want to do. So there's a mm. uh, there are limits to uh, to how far you take this. Um, and that would be based on what the uh, you know on, on which things are which things are problems. I think you know alcohol is an obvious one where there is a you know direct link between uh, particularly between cheap alcohol and 
uh, and the costs that uh, that are borne by the NHS for it, and the harm that it has on people as well. This isn't just about you know recovering money for the NHS. It's about reducing the uh, the the ability for people to uh, to hurt themselves with this stuff. Mm. So, and there's a balance. There's absolutely a balance. And so, I think you know we we would probably um, look at it for the more harmful. Uh, the, the more harmful drugs, which in which I would include alcohol, um, but for more general dietary things, I know it's it's difficult. I'd want to, I'd want some experts to uh, to look at it, but there may be a case. Um, well, as ever, we'll end on our softball trivia question, whereby I try to reduce the <laughs> demographic you appeal to by another cheese slice. A wedge, um, <laughs> although this time it's a little bit, as it, it, softball goes, it won't get any softer than this. Um, I'm just curious where you get your news from. Where do I get my news from? Do you take a paper? Is it all online? It, it mostly, it, you overhear it, it mostly comes through or? Twitter, to be honest, um, which is always okay. the danger of being a, a bit of an echo chamber. Um, but uh, normally that, or the, uh, the uh, BBC News in the, uh, in the office, in, uh, in the kitchen. Um, but yeah, I mean, most stuff sort of filters through networks. I find, um, you know, those things tend to highlight the uh, the kinds of things that you're that certainly that you're interested in. But there is always a danger of of being stuck in that echo chamber. And if I could uh, find good ways of finding dissenting opinions that don't just descend into anger, then that would be lovely. Um, but yeah, I don't tend to have time to. You know, in, read the news in any organised fashion, so it's, it tends to just sort of float at me. <laughs> well, I don't think you've alienated anyone there, apart from all grandparents who don't know what a Twitter is. But, well, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what's next for you? Do you you're registering as a candidate tomorrow? Yeah. So the nomination papers. Uh, well, so Parliament dissolved today. And I'll be handing my nomination papers on, uh, not tomorrow, the day after, actually. So tonight I'm collecting signatures and checking them against the register and, uh, yeah, paying the money. So it's all it's all about to happen, which is quite exciting. Uh, yeah, that's the next thing. And then we're looking at, uh, you know, leafleting and getting the designs together to actually get the message out there. So it's all uh, all exciting stuff. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, for more information, visit horsham.somethingnew.org.uk or facebook.com forward slash somethingnewhorsham or look at the manifesto at openpolitics.org.uk. Uh, and if you have any questions, then just tweet them at have some new with hashtag openhorsham. Uh, until the next time, thank you very much, James. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. <laughs>